Okay, good morning, Tiffany. Good to talk to you this morning. I say good morning, everyone. Hey, uh, so glad you're out here. First of all, before we do anything else, hey, this might be your first time coming here and seeing us here at Coastal Family Church. Uh, I'm Pastor Stephen. You just got to meet my wife and the praise team, and uh, she's the spitfire in the house. And uh, so it's just uh, blessed to have a wife like that. Your boot when you need one. Amen? And let me just tell you, I'm going to be straight up right out front with you that uh, you guys needed a boot right then for sure. Uh, <clears throat> I know and understand the nest, what's happening in this new series, Mountain Moving Faith. And uh, we'll begin to talk to you about it here in just a little bit more. But um, this began to work in myself, your pastor here, back in February. And I had no idea the magnitude of why until past couple months, I've begun to see some things work in different individuals' lives, especially the men of the house. I've seen the men of this house get attacked and challenged in the past two months like I never have in the face of this church. You're going through things in your personal life. You're going through things in your marriages. I'm not reading anybody's mail. I'm not telling you who they are. You know who you are. I'm seeing personal lives being destroyed. I'm seeing people die way too soon, men that are dying way too soon. I'm seeing a lot of things that are happening on the outer banks, and it's just time for the men to step up. Here's what this series will do for you men. It'll put the authority of God back into your hands. We've been sitting at the mountain, looking at the mountain, and allowing the mountain to take authority out of our hands, and that's not what the Word of God says is meant for you. You have an authority over any principality, power, might, and dominion that's in this world, any name that is named. You know what that means? Anything. And I'm just to this place where we're not going to, the men of this house, we're not going to allow sickness take us away. We're not going to let people take our family away. We're not going to let men take our family away. We're going to shut that down. A lot of different things will happen during this series. But before we talk about that, I want to thank you, if it's your first time here, uh, for coming to us at Coastal Family Church. Here's, I never take it for granted. I'm always honored to see visitors in the house, people that, uh, especially those that you're out of town visitors. You're just here for one service. Man, you could be in your place staying right now, sitting on the beach, drinking a cup of coffee, and you came to drink a cup of coffee with us. Glad you're here. Come on, give them a warm welcome. <clears throat> really means the world to us. I'm going to jump right on into this. It will be a four-week series, and Pastor Tiffany, as she said, that uh, I've asked Hannah to join on board with me in this one and to help me out. And uh, the revelation for us, when I say revelation, just eyes being open and your spirit, man, being able to see things a little differently. We're teaching the series I've taught for years. And I learned a long time ago, never, never, never assume you know it all. Uh, anybody like a know-it-all? No, nobody does. And uh, if you become a know-it-all, you'll shut the revelation of God right down in your life and you'll become stale and your life will become something that the world has to offer and that's not a whole lot. So we want to come to this place when we start looking at the Word, and I'm going to go right through the gate with boldness, because when I look at mountains and I see how big they are in people's lives right now, it takes the Word, first of all. It's actually kind of understand, kind of helpful for me to see what was happening during that series, or not series, that song. When we start to sing Waymaker, a miracle worker, and then we hit that spot where we're not moved by what we feel, we're moved by what we see, it's interesting, that song is almost 13 minutes long. The longest song we've ever done in this church. Probably the last one we'll ever do that long. But it takes a while for that to settle into your hearts and to understand the power and authority that you have because we live in a world by what we feel and by what we see. But when you live in the kingdom of God, that's not the world that we live by. 
We're not denying reality. We're not ignoring the things that are facing us. No, we're learning how to go after those things. And I love what Pastor Tiffany said. We're learning how to walk through the sea that was closed when we got there. We're learning how to understand that there's, when I'm walking on dry ground, guess what? The water is still on the other side with an opportunity to get afraid that that water is going to come back in on me. It won't come back in on you if you keep your eyes on the one in front of you. Amen. Go with me to Mark chapter 11. Let's jump right on into this. I've got to be a good steward of your time and mine today. We're going to start right here in Mark chapter 11. This will be our text for the whole series. Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 22. Just give me your attention. It's a new King James that will be up here on the screen. Just give me your attention as we read the scripture today. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes, everybody say believes, that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. And therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe, everybody say believe, that you receive them and you will have them. Most of the time we stop right there in teaching this Uh, message on mountain moving faith we usually stop right there but we're not going to during this series we're going to go a little bit further whatever you stand excuse me whenever you stand praying if you have anything against anyone everybody say anyone forgive him that your father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses but if you do not forgive neither will your father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I'm going to invite you to stand up with me one more time as we pray and open up our hearts for this new series. Father, in Jesus' name, we are asking for insight into the mysteries of God. We're admitting that there are mysteries, the unknown, that we don't know. We are also admitting that your ways are higher than our ways, but you are, those ways are available for us to learn and to know and to grow in. We go ahead and just according to the scripture, as Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus, as he prayed for the church at Colossae, we pray that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened, that we'll know the hope of our calling, that we'll have understanding and revelation, eyes to see, ears to hear, that we'll know the the length, the breadth, and the height, the massiveness of the love of God that is here to provide a good life on this earth that we live. And Holy Spirit, we welcome and invite you, the great master architect of our lives, that you'll come in and teach us and show us things to come. And Father, we honor the word, uphold it highly, esteem it. The scripture says you esteem it even above your own name. So we make much of that today, and we're grateful to know that there'll be mountains that'll be moved over the next three weeks in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen, amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Like I said, it'll be three weeks long from from this will be number one, so there'll be four weeks in this, and I want to start right here and just start answering some questions for you. I'm going to really just kind of come to you with a few of the basics. Don't have time to give you all of them. Basics, that means these are things we should know. Any believer, any person that's a Christian, any person that loves God, any person that has an understanding and a relationship with God, these are things we should know. And you'll find out that when it comes to the basics, if you begin to stir yourself up in the basics, we're going to talk about the other side with the, that comes alongside this is there's a spirit that will come with you. Scripture says it will come up and upon you. I don't mean it will make you weird and roll all over the floor and nobody wants to be around you. 
But there'll be a spirit that'll come alongside you. It's called faith, the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith is what will enable you to look at something that's bigger than you and not be moved by what's bigger than you and basically be able to see the other side of it, hence a mountain. And so when I think about this, I ask this first question, and it's not what is faith. I want to help us see what faith is not first. So I'm going to give you four little quick things that faith is not, and just open up your heart to it, and I'm going to meddle a little bit. I'm going to dig in a little bit, and I just want to hit some things that the devil's been lying to us about of what faith is. Number one, faith is not a puffy cloud of powerless positivity. It's not someone floating around and all they got is a bunch of positive words. If there's no word of God behind your positive words, it's nothing but fluffy and it will do nothing for you. It will do nothing but line you up with the world and its way of things of mind control instead of being spirit control. So faith is not positivity and just positive confession in my voice. Although faith has a side of speaking positive word of God. So you've got to remove that thought that if I just say all the right things and say all the positive things, my mountain's going to move. No, your mountain will stay right in front of you because that's not what moves the mountain. Number two, faith is not religion. I hate religion. I've had people come up to me and say, hey, uh, I don't go to church because I, I, don't, I don't have a religion. I say, I don't either. So I don't like to go to church. I don't want to be a part of religion. I tell them, I don't either. Religion is a bunch of do's and don'ts, a bunch of control, a bunch of just, just hoopla, bunch of see who I am out there in this. Religion, religion is you thinking that you've done something today because you came to church. You did do something because you came to church. You got up, you put your flesh under, you come here, and you're going to hear from God, and you're probably tired like most of us in here, and you're going to go home, and who knows whatever you're going to do. But religion makes you think that something you did makes a difference. Number three, faith is not. Everybody like this so far? Faith is not throwing a prayer up and just hoping something sticks. Most people, that's how they pray. We're just praying, Father, we just pray, but whatever you want to do, you can do because I prayed. Again, it's not you that prays to be in your own strength. Anyway, that's where you make the biggest mistake is praying in your own strength. And you will pray in your own strength without knowledge of the word. And you'll see if God, you'll, you'll have this mindset. You'll say, well, God, if you want to heal me, you can He'll do whatever he wants to do. No, he won't do whatever he wants to do. He did what he already wanted to do, and that was send Jesus to come into this earth and destroy sickness and disease and poverty and lack, destroy the curse of ever having this privilege of being in your life if you will stand up in the authority of who you are. If you don't know how to stand up in the authority of who you are, the curse will rule your life. Moving right along. Faith is not denial of reality. Not facing real issues and pretending all is okay. Listen, let me just tell you something. All is not okay. If you've got a mountain in your life, it's not all okay right now. The reality is that mountain is stopping you from the plan and the purpose of God. We've got to learn how to do something with it. Faith does not deny that it's there. Faith knows how to look at that mountain, sit at its feet, and begin to look at the process. What have I got to do to move this mountain out of my life? That's real faith. So what am I saying? Guess what? As we teach this series, Mountain Moving Faith, I'm going to let you know a real big truth very quickly. I'm not going to be able to destroy every mountain in your life through this series because guess what? Once we knock this one down, whatever it is in your life, we'll define a few here in a few minutes. Once we knock those down, guess what? There'll be another one coming down the road. 
But you can know that a mountain's coming down your road and not be afraid of it because when it comes, if you stay with us for the next three weeks, you just might know how. When it does show up, I'm going to know what to do with it. So that's what faith is not. Everybody okay so far? I love that thought that faith is not, because I hear people all the time just speak positive. I am definitely the guy that loves his glass half full instead of half empty. And that's all you'll ever get from me. I will never be the one that moves upon the glass half empty. It's just not who I am. I'm a visionary. I see things out. I see things far. I just can, I just, it's just who I am. And that's probably a lot of who you are. But if you are that person that thinks only your words are going to make a difference, you're wrong. If there's no confidence behind the words that you speak, if there's no confidence in the word of God, the God that you speak those words from, it won't make a difference in your life. And I would venture to say that most of us, that's what we're doing. (laughs) Especially in our charismatic circles. Now, you might not be from the charismatic circle. That's that one that's tongue-talking, spitting, flying, and shaking their hands, I guess, is what we've kind of been defined by. Word of faith, people. The word of faith is only doctrine. Every church on this beat teaches the word of faith. If they're preaching Jesus, that's word of faith. But we've made word of faith a doctrine off of a few scriptures, and what we're finding out is that people are taking something and implying it into a world and giving it a system and giving it an order of action, and that's what they're trusting instead of the God who is underneath and behind that order of system. I don't want to teach you a system. I don't want to teach you a formula. You'll find formula as we get to the end of this series, but I'm not going to teach you just a formula because if there's no relationship behind that formula, that's all it will be. It'll frustrate you, and that mountain will do nothing but get bigger and put a few other ones around it. Have I got your attention so far? Uh, Hopefully I've got the devil's attention and not yours. That's who I'm after. I'm not after you. I'm after what's coming against your mind and your thoughts and what's getting to that place where you feel like you can't move and you're trapped and you're trying to figure out how to get past what's in front of you. All right? Now, I've got to say a couple things here. It's a little bit bold, a little bit... um, You've got to settle this into your heart. You're probably not going to like all of it. I don't really care. I'm going to share it with you anyway, okay? You need to hear this. The God kind of faith works every time. And when it doesn't, it's not God's fault. God always delivers on the promise. That's a tough thing to chew because some some of us in here, because of experience, we're basing that belief that I have that God's going to come through and you're still waiting for him to do something and now you're getting frustrated because he's not doing something and something's not changing. God's not the one that's stopping it. Now, what that does is that throws a little bit back at us to question and ask some questions. Why? I'm going to be right up front with you. I don't have all the answers to some understanding. I get it that his ways are higher than my ways, but we're yielding to that statement too much and allowing it to become something for us to be a fallout. His ways are just higher than my ways, but there is a lot of his ways that you can know, know and work through and begin to apply, and you'll be a lot less frustrated. I want to put some authority back into your hand. Instead of yielding up to the thought, his ways are higher than my ways, whatever he wants to do, he will do. No, 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 no. What happens when we yield to that thought, that's admitting that we are uh, human in a sense and we're limited in knowledge in a sense. But the Bible says that any mountain, anything that comes my way, there is always a way of escape to it. 
If you learn to stretch this farther in your faith, go to a bigger place of faith and location, you can get to where you're not even afraid of death because there's really no death to the believer. If we really believe in, in heaven that we all sing about, huh, on a day, what, I'm thinking of some old religious songs for myself right now. Huh? Oh, help me out. Give me one Christian. When we all get to heaven. Come on. What a day of rejoicing that will be. Come on, strike it out with me. We'll sing and shout the victory. Well, if you believe that, why are you afraid of it? Huh? Because it's out there. And we're allowing the mountain right here to make us afraid up there. And sometimes that mountain just might be death. The Bible is very clear. When I know the truth and I understand the truth, the truth will set me free. And one truth for the subject of death is to know that he came to provide you life and to give it to you abundantly, to give you life until you're satisfied. Psalm 91, anybody ever heard of that one before? Hmm? Let me share a couple of scriptures with you and we're just knocking some devils out of the way and then we'll get going here. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy I came that they may have an enjoyed life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Psalm 34 is my, one of my favorite scriptures because it confirms the goodness of God in our life. Psalm 34, 8 through 10, New Living Translation. Carson, you're doing wonderful. You're keeping right up with me. You're doing amazing. Taste and see that the Lord is bad. That's not what he says. I'm just playing with you a little bit. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his godly people, for those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. So let's answer this next question. All right? We've answered the question, what faith is not. I just gave you four quick ones on that. I've answered a question that, you know what, it's never God's fault. He's never the author of death. He's never the author of stealing. He's never the author of killing. He's never the author of destroying. Nor does he place that on you to see if you're just going to do the right thing. He doesn't test you with bad. You're talking about a good God that only knows good. You're talking about a good God that's promised long life. And if we really just put this in a, a mindset of, of thinking like a real good father today, there's a bunch of deadbeats, I get it, but let's just take one that we all, all are aware of. A good dad, a good father is never out to put harm on his kids. If he is, he's sick and something's wrong with him. How much more your father that created you and knows every single hair on your head and everything about you so we got to ask this next question. What is faith? Just some of the quick basics. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. Amplified. Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed. Look, guys, you've got the title deed here in red. You've got the title deed in the scriptures and in the word that's full of blood. When I say blood, blood was shed to make sure that he defeated death at the root source of it. 
He came to this place where he uh, redeemed you from the curse of sickness, disease, poverty, lack, all of those mountains that are facing your life right now. You got the title deed and an authority to defeat that in your life. I'm not saying they're not there, but you got an authority to defeat that in your life. He says, I've got the title deed that we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not real to the senses. You just might not feel or see some of the things you're expecting at the moment that you're sitting. That's why we're teaching mountain-moving faith. I want to give you two statements I want you to think about. The beginning point of faith is believing in God's character. He is who He says He is. The end point of faith is believing in God's promises. He will do what he says he will do. Our beliefs are formed by many things. First of all, let's just define some mountains. A mountain in your life might be a decision that you have to make really heavy on you right now, and you don't have an idea of what to do or decisions. A mountain in your life might be the fact that your marriage is destroyed and you're the cause of it. How am I going to put it back together? A a, a mountain to your life might be you just got a report that's got an end to it that you're not looking forward to. A report that you might have might be the fact that your kids, every single time you come home at night, that they're just living like the devil and you're just waiting for the wrong phone call. And it's a mountain to you. It's keeping you from sleep at night. You're not able to sleep because these things are overwhelming you and overtaking you. And you're concerned that there just might be something I don't want to hear, I don't want to see. And the Bible is very clear that those are mountains in your life. And the Bible is going to really show us a pathway in the next few weeks how to make sure that we annihilate those mountains. Mountain moving faith, a mountain, you define it for yourself in your life. Moving means I'm annihilating it so it has no place in my life. Faith is actually how I'm going to do it through the faith and the trust in a God that will always back up His promise. But what we've done is what, I'm just speaking for myself, this is what I've done. I don't know if you might not have, you might be perfect at this, but I was not. I allowed certain things to form my beliefs that were not God. And I'm still to this day trying to root some of those things out because they're so deep-rooted that they have a tendency to hold me up from my purpose in the things of God, even when it comes to my actually daily purpose. Some of those things are this. I wrote some down. How we were raised by your relatives and your family and friends. Well, you know what Mama says. Well, no, what's the Bible say? Well, well, Mama says the Bible. Do you know? Have you ever asked her? Well, this is what my grandmama did. I don't care what your grandmama did unless it was something that was earth-shattering and it was something that changed your life forever. Listen to me. Go back to the Word. How about this? Something that's, that's formed a belief in you about God. Experiences, good or bad. Anybody in here ever had a bad experience? Okay. Let me ask these guys over here. Anybody ever out there in the mountain-moving faith world ever had a bad experience? How about your environment? Determining what you believe. How about social media? Which I think is the, the one today that is the most influential is what you see on Facebook every day. It's what you see in your Instagram every day. It's what you see in your Twitter. Your Twitter, not what, I don't know whatever it is. 
You've got to be careful. You can say something there you don't even want to say. But we're allowing social media, the news, we're allowing all of the... You don't think the devil's not real smart with those things? A tool that has the, the ability to change the world for the goodness of God, and he's tweaking it in such a way that you're believing everything it says and taking you away from what the Word says. You're allowing it to form your belief. <laughs> all right. I'm just going to preach to the mountain behind me. No, I, I don't mean to be dogging you. I really don't. I understand what we're doing here. Anytime there is mountains to be moved, we'll talk about some of this medium next week, there's a little bit of excavating that goes on. Actually, a lot. There's a little bit of pounding and, and knocking the boulders out of the way so that you can begin to remove the mountain. And once you start removing and excavating some of those things and you do that with power behind it, a really powerful things happen, then you can start to move it out of the way and you can start to see your pathway. So that's kind of what we're doing. We're starting the excavation process. We're starting kind of getting into the core of maybe questioning some of the tougher questions in ourselves. Do I really believe God and he'll follow through with his part? Yes. Do I really believe that, that he wants me to have a good life? Yes. Then why don't you have those things? What is going to get me to the place where I can stop having this one mountain that I'm facing right now out of my life? I can help you with that, but I want you to see it's the steps to take any mountain that comes your way. How do I deal with those mountains? Somebody got it. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 4, <laughs> verse 20 through 22. We have said it over and over and over and over again. You have to base your faith on the Word of God. It has to be your final authority of decision-making. It has to be your final... Now listen to me. The Word of God is not going to come and tell you while you're sitting there and you got your... Oh, should I do this or should I not? Should I keep this job or go with this job? The Bible's not going to say, hey, go take this job. <laughs> but the Bible will say, follow the one that brings peace to your life. How do I make decisions? How do I make faith decisions? Starts with the Word. Next question. All right, so far. Let me read Proverbs 4.20. Can I do that? My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they are life to those that find them and healing to their whole body. Now, here's the big kicker question. I want to answer this one for me, and probably be the last question that we get to answer for you. Do I have faith? Really, when we ask that question, we're really asking, do I have enough faith? Because most of us know we got faith, but do you have enough faith to move that mountain out of your way? You see, we've got to ask the behind side of that question. Do I have enough faith? And most of us are questioning the volume of faith instead of what real faith is. You can't ask whether you have enough faith because faith can't be measured by volume. I'll show you. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. First, let me answer that for you real quick. Yes, you have enough faith. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. NIV. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. 
We just found out just in that one little scripture, we'll dig into it a little bit more, but the Bible says that God gave you a measure of faith. Now, if it's a measure, it can grow. Okay? If, if it's a measure, you don't stop, but it's enough. I'll show you here in a minute. But my faith can grow. And just because I know a little bit more of how to apply and walk and act faith out, because I guess because I'm a pastor or something, the same process that grow in this measure is the same process that it, for you, there's no difference. We still do the same. And, and it really is just applying and, and allowing the word to become your teacher and allow things. Really, to be honest with you, how you grow in your measure of faith is based upon relationship. The more you invest in the relationship with God, the more you will grow in your faith because the more you'll get to know his character and the more you'll be willing to apply and have confidence in what he said. And through that process, you gain experience. And through that experience, you see, oh, he did this. He did it for me there. Guess what? He'll do it again here. Oh, he did that for them. He'll do that for me. Guess what? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's no respect of a person. And if he did it for them, he'll do it for me. So let me ask you this. Let me just explain it to you a little bit differently. If, if it's based on a measure and, it's, and that measure can grow, here's the best example I can think of. you got this hot mama sitting on the front row that I met 27, 26, 27 years ago. When I first met her, the seed of her hotness was there. <laughs> but I didn't know her. I had the thought, oh my gosh, this could be the one. But I had that same thought with probably a hundred other ones. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I had, I had to go there. It's true. But I began to make a choice based upon the relationship that started. And as that relationship grew, the faith that I had in her began to grow based on how I got to know her. I began to not just look at her on the outside. I began to know her on the inside. I began to gain confidence in that, hey, man, she's better on the inside. Well, she's pretty good on the outside. But better on the inside. And now 27 years in, guess what? You cannot waver me on my confidence in her because I know her so well. My faith that started as a seed, as a measure, is now great faith. So don't get in my way when it comes to her. Because I can trust her. I know her. I've got proven experience of tested try what she will do. She will always come through for me. Even when she misses it, she still comes through for me. A real important truth in regards to faith is found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And it is impossible to please God without it, without faith. Anyone that wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Hebrews eleven six, the message translation. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. Now, in regards to your mountain, again, do I have enough faith to move this mountain? I just established you have faith, a measure, it can grow, it can grow stronger and get more aware of it, but do I have enough to move this mountain? Because this is a big one. And I might be at the beginning stage of my relationship. You may have just stepped into this thing called God, this thing called Christianity. So you're thinking, volume, I... I I don't have enough faith. I've never seen him work for me in my life. But we're talking about mountains, impossibilities. 
We're talking about this. How about this again? Physical, mental, spiritual, marriages, job, relationships, purpose, addictions, decisions, reports. All of those things including in the mountain moving of faith. Matthew chapter 17 verse 20 NIV translation. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible to you. Jesus himself made it clear that the faith the size of a mustard seed and a measure is greater than a mustard seed. And he says that's enough faith to move any mountain that's facing your life right now. And I just named a few of what those could be. Looking at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. This measure, this seed let me say this. You might not have any faith or think you've ever had any faith, but guess what? As of right now, I just put a seed of faith in you. That is enough. The moment you got born again, the moment you gave your heart to God, there was a measure of faith that was enough in you to move not just the one you're facing, anyone that ever comes. Ephesians 2 8. For it's by free grace, God's unmerited favor, that you are saved, delivered from judgment, made partakers of Christ's salvation. Through your faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but it is a gift from God. You got this faith from God. And is there any bigger faith to receive than faith that comes from God, the creator of the earth? It's not big enough for you as it is for me. 1 John 5, 4, just to encourage you. Whatever's born of God is victorious over the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, even our faith. One final step and I'm going to be done. This faith, that it's, we know what it's not, a little bit of that now. We know what it is a little bit now. It's my absolute sure confidence standing on a foundation that cannot be shaken of a God that will follow through what he says he will do. That's my faith. It's what I believe. It's what I'm persuaded in. This faith, as big and as great as it is, here's something to begin to understand about faith. It has an attitude behind it. It's called the spirit of faith. And I'm believing that as we get to the other side, the end of this series, that that attitude will be the thing that changes really how we think, how we act. Because to be honest with you, you can teach principles of faith, but you catch this spirit of faith. It's the one thing that's caught in the scriptures. It's the one thing that when you get around people that have it on them, you know it's on them. It's contagious. It's so contagious that you want to stay with those people. I know right now that a bunch of you are around people that are not contagious with the spirit of faith. They're contagious with, that, contagious with doubt and unbelief. They're contagious with the world. They're contagious with sin. They're contagious with the outside things of the world. And that's why you still want those things of the outside world. And until you're willing to change that place of your life, you will still be contagious for those things, and it'll never stop in your life. And actually, it'll lead you to a place of destruction. But you get around people that have the spirit of faith on them, it'll change your life forever. Faith in God. Let me just begin to show you what it looks like. And guess what? I'm going to let you go. Because we've cracked enough rocks and boulders this morning to give you something to think about. Looking at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38 through 39. Now the just shall live by faith. <laughs> but anyone that draws back, my soul has no pleasure in them. 
Scripture says it's how you please God. But we are not of those who draw back to the perdition, destruction, utterly destruction, but of those who believe into the saving of the soul. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 says this, And since we have, we have this same spirit of faith, according to it is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, we believe, and therefore we speak. I went back into a series that we taught into the year 2013, just to kind of close this down for you. And the series was called Audacious Faith and Your Righteousness. And when I began to look at that word, audacious, again, I'm like, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. That's what this spirit is about. And it reminded me of the righteousness and who I am in God and the fact that I'm a born-again believer of God. Why am I settling? Why am I stepping back? Why am I allowing that mountain to be the very thing that's holding me from my purpose in God? Because my righteousness says that I'm born again. My righteousness gives me access to all the principles and the promises and the kingdom of God. Everything that comes through the avenue of grace. My righteousness gives me all of that. And I'm allowing the world to take those things from me. And I want to come back to this place. The Outer Banks needs a faith that's audacious. It's hungry for it. It's starving for it. It's craving for people that will just flat out look at their life and look at the impossibilities that they're facing and give them an answer. Give them a God that's good. Give them a God that will bring raise the dead to life. Give them a God that will look at their broken bodies and bring healing to it. Give them a God that says, hey, look, I've got relationship with him. I've experienced this goodness. The word audacious means to be daring. It means to be bold. It means to disregard normal restraints. It means the act of despising opposition. What happens when we dare to believe God for the impossible? What happens? Luke 1.37 For with God nothing is ever impossible, and not a word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. Here's my question to you. Are you willing to jump onto this journey with us over the next three weeks left and realize that you can catch a spirit of faith? Sign me up. If you'll get on this journey with me over the next three weeks with your hands up, I'm not talking about in worship. I know that's a struggle for some of you. But put your hands up to catch a spirit that'll stare at your mountain and it'll move it out of the way. It might take you a couple weeks to get to where you're in that place where you can see on the other side of that. We'll start excavating real strong next week. We're going to look at that text, Mark chapter 11, go 22 to verse 26, all the way to the end of that we're going to start. We're going to work backwards in the scripture, to be honest with you, and we're going to talk about forgiveness first. Are you willing to let go of your past for yourself? Are you willing to let go of bitterness and resentment? Are you willing to let go of those things? We're going to rip out and do some boulders. Why? Because anytime you go to stir up a, tear out a mountain, you got to get to the core of it first. You got to take that place of putting a stack of, or stick of dynamite in one place and then come alongside and light it later. And then the next week, we're going to talk about the Logos and the Rhema. When I say the Logos and the Rhema, we're going to talk about the written word is what your foundation is. The written word is like the fuel to your salvation, but when you bring the power of the Holy Spirit, the rhema to the, to the fuel, it ignites that fuel, and then you'll move right on into the third week with us where we start to believe and we start to speak and we start annihilating mountains out of our way.
But if you're not here, that mountain just might stay in front of you. Being honest with you. Stand up with me.